0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where, come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor, and today we're going to be talking about our traditional slate of recruiting news, but we actually have pretty good news for this week, and it's not going to be sprung upon us randomly in the middle of the episode. <laughs> And we're also going to go be going through all of the press conferences from the coaches that we could find, which include the press conferences from head coach Chris Kleiman, quarterbacks coach Connor Wright, Ry- Nope, offensive line coach Connor Riley, quarterbacks coach Colin Klein, tight ends and fullbacks coach Jason Ray, and running backs coach Brian Anderson, alongside the wacky segments of the week. There's two of them. Is, I don't want to say what they are. This so. is getting out of hand. No, now there are two, two of them. them. <laughs> but let's first begin with the recruiting news for this week. And it comes in the form of an offensive lineman commit out of Erie, Colorado, by the name of John Pastor, who is coming in as a pretty highly touted recruit, at least in the eyes of people in Kansas State sporting circles. And do you want to kind of go into a few reasons as to why?
1: Uh, Yeah, I can. Uh, So the history behind Case State and John Pastor is basically he was a a camp offer back in that initial round of camps where uh, the assistant coaches were flying all over the country and going to different mega camps. And John Pastor uh, was outstanding at several of them, and he garnered an offer from that. And a lot of the uh, recruiting guys they've indicated that John Pastor was maybe the best offensive lineman that they've seen at the K State camps uh, this summer, the very least among the best, and that's really encouraging. Uh, he just recently got rated; I think he's a five point five on rifles. I'm sure that will go up. And twenty four seven has him as a mid a middle tier three star which is pretty good at jumped K-State's recruiting rankings up by almost 10, I think, on 24-7, because we were down in the low 70s, and now we're 63rd. So we're moving up, and I only expect that number to continue to just slightly go up as uh, uh, the uh, recruits that we have that we already know are good have solid to very good senior seasons, and uh, they likewise see a boost to their rankings. But John Pastor, he's, uh, like you said, out of Erie, Colorado, he's... He kind of we were talking about this. He fits pretty much the exact mold that the staff wants out of their offensive tackles, and he's a he's a tall guy. He's coming in, uh, with, his frame isn't completely filled out yet, but he's uh, a very athletic tackle, and he has really long arms. That and that's the keys is he has long arms and he's athletic. Those are the two things that the staff has just really gone after in. I would say their two biggest tackle prospects uh, in Carver Willis and Whit Mitchum. They're very similar in that regard uh, where they didn't have uh, their, their frame filled out, but uh, they were athletic and uh, they had long arms. And Pastor is basically the epitome of that. And uh, his film is really encouraging. Obviously we didn't get to see him on the camp cycle or anything, but I would imagine it was even more encouraging there because he was facing significantly better, uh, competition yeah. on the camp circuit yeah and, and
0: I, I will say that from from what film we were able to dig up on him he is very technically sound when it comes to his hands and where his arm positioning is where he does need to improve is sometimes he he needs to play a lot lower But that's also because he has such long arms that there are times that it legitimately looks like a cartoon where he's just holding out his arms and the guy is swinging his arms trying to do literally anything. Yeah. Which I think was the the result of the second funniest highlight that we watched. The first funniest (laughs) highlight was him playing a defensive tackle. So message boards... Rest assured, if
1: he doesn't work out at offensive line, we will move him to D tackle <laughs> but stop asking about everyone else. <laughs> just because he's on one side of the line doesn't mean he can play the other. And what he did was he just decided that he
0: was going to strip... I wouldn't even call it a strip sack. He, he just, he just he, grabbed it. He just grabbed the ball from yeah. the quarterback's hands and scored. Just,
1: yeah, this is on his 24-7 film. He just lined up at D end. Went completely unblocked to the quarterback. Nobody even touched him until their <laughs> running back, who's like 5'9, 150, like soaking wet, but like not like a strong 150. He's just scrawny. And he <laughs> literally just like, I, I don't want to say he ran through him or over him because he more just kind of reached over him. <laughs> like, and the quarterback just had the ball in his hands and he just reached out and grabbed the ball from the quarterback and just ran all the way to the end zone. And I don't think there's a better example. That I've seen this year in recruiting film of men amongst boys yeah. than that one play. <laughs> and he
0: looks so much bigger than everyone yeah. else.
1: Yeah, he's six foot six, 270, and he's not playing at the highest level of uh, Colorado high school sports. Like, that's not a diss on them, but like, it's just they're not going to have like the freak athletes that are just absolutely like gigantic people. Like, you're not seeing a lot of 6'5, 240 people at uh, their level of athletics. I'm not sure what their classification is, but it's clear that they're not like in their equivalent of 6a or 5a or anything like that
0: yeah and something that i saw that was actually really encouraging as well i think his his kick slides could definitely use a little bit of work from the film that i saw he actually wasn't bad like against people that were lined up and in wide nine which is basically just it is on the tackle in name only yeah um and he did a granted again it wasn't top tier athleticism on that side but it's still encouraging to see that he can get out to that point right at all especially at his size that he's coming in at
1: yeah the uh, the lateral movement is really encouraging it's 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 a it's the building blocks of great technique because he already has outstanding technique for hand placement and arm placement mm-hmm. uh, he generally extends his arms really well uh he's not like letting people get in sometimes he did get a little lazy on that but most of the time when that happened it was people that were half his size and it just did not matter anyways yeah. <laughs> but when he needed his arms extended against someone with like like comparable skill or even close to his skill level like he was like he, his arms were out he kept them at a distance he knew what to do and his long arms made it really hard for anybody to get around him yeah. and that was really that was really encouraging to see
0: yeah and something that i will 100% say is that i think that even though I think our offensive line room is very, very deep. I think if anyone is going to step in and make an immediate contribution, I think it'll probably be John Pastor.
1: I think he could, especially if he had a great offseason. He would need to hit the weight room really hard, but he's he's somebody that you could... Honestly, see on the two deep because the interior is a lot deeper than the outside. Not that the outside isn't deep because I'd say they're very solidly two deep on the outside as well. Yeah. But it's not like the inside where you could say they're just three deep, maybe even four. Like like the interior offensive line is, I would say all, other than the secondary, uh, by far the best, uh, position on the field talent wise. I think maybe running back,
0: but I would agree with secondary. Yeah. I think you'd probably go. Secondary offensive line and then running backs.
1: Yeah, like like besides secondary, like they're the depth is significantly more impressive as well. Yeah, like that's the only thing the secondary lacks is depth, and they've kind of acquired that. They're too deep, which is good enough most likely. Like emergency situation won't be enough, but that likelihood's really slim. But yeah, John Pastor, really encouraging offensive line commit. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this tackle room shakes out because. Uh, Christian Duffy, he's wrapping up his career. Uh, Katori Leviston, I think they may have him playing a bit of guard for Simon now.
0: Said that he's playing a bit of guard.
1: Yeah, so he, yeah, he's in there right now. But then you have Whit Mitchum and Carver Willis. Yeah, Kingsley Ugu, uh, the JUCO transfer, and the W is silent. Yes, it is. It's Ugu.
0: Yeah, fun fact: we, we've we've been pronouncing that wrong the entire time. Yeah, it's, it's Ugu. It's uh. It's,
1: it's in the media guide. Yes, and... it is. Which we have. Yes, we do. <laughs> and. <laughs> We're, weird now we're, flex yeah, now, we're, now we're just super official because we have the media guide but, um, and then there's also uh, uh, the rumblings that uh, Lean Gang has been playing some right tackle and so that's just another guy to worry about and also the rumblings that Lean Gang is already uh, getting snaps with upperclassmen uh, so Lean Gang is the real deal so it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out with uh, Ugu and Willis and Mitchum uh, going forward so, yeah, because it sounds like Lean Gang. After maybe he he could honestly the way that He's he they the, the talk about like he has a shot to start as a redshirt freshman. He may not, but he will be in the conversation. Yeah, like and that's I, I think that's like a perfectly fair statement as well. I don't think that's exaggerating because he he sounds like the real deal. Oh, and something that I neglected to mention on John Pastor is that this is a power five win over Nebraska.
0: Yeah, we finally beat a Power 5 program, and we beat Nebraska, who's beaten us several times. Several times. Uh, yeah. Richard Torres,
1: Grant Page, to name the ones off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's plenty of others that I'm missing, or at least a few others. Yeah, but we got John Pastor. But we I have like, John Pastor. I like Pastor more yeah. than anyone they
0: got, though.
1: So. Yep. Uh, yeah, now that John Pastor is here, uh, he is significantly better than every Nebraska commit. Ever? Ever. Combined? Combined. All of them.
0: Our DMs are open, but we're not wrong, and we will not listen to counter-arguments.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are not entertaining any counter-arguments at this time. Thank you for your time.
0: <laughs> and there's also another bit of recruiting news that no one really has seemed to have covered because it kind of just appeared one day. Yeah, I, yeah. you and I noticed this at the after the open, open practice. Because we were looking at the roster.
1: Yeah, yeah you, you, you continue.
0: So a high school classmate... Of both Connor and I's, uh, shout out Pittsburgh High School, represent. Purple Dragons. Purple Dragons, you gotta get them. And uh, DPKA was official, the official unofficial slogan.
1: It was definitely unofficial.
0: It was definitely (laughs) unofficial. Well, they started putting it at games. Anyway, before we get too much in the weeds, um, Dylan White was a high school classmate of both of ours who played wide receiver, and he was, let's not mince words, he was, the best receiver on the team his senior year uh, it was not even close yeah i don't think it was really close <laughs> and he played a year at pittsburgh state university which is the local university and he's actually transferred up to play at k-state despite he made no announcement himself he mm-hmm. literally just appeared on the roster one day
1: <laughs> yeah like we were looking at the roster and we clicked on a name i think it was julius Sprints because him and julius Prince share a number and uh, 23, right? I think so. I think that's right. But uh, we clicked on Julius Prince's name, and Dylan White was not there. And then we went back, and, yeah, we then, he, the- and, then, just, and then he was just there. It, it was updated as we were looking at the roster. So, but, yeah, Dylan White, uh, he I'm almost certain that he is a walk-on. Uh, but, yeah, they got his picture in there now. They've got his measurements in there. So, he's, he's official, official. And... He uh um, had uh, some solid playing time, I guess, for Pitt State. He wasn't like a full-time starter or anything. No, because Elijah Harris, another Pittsburgh uh, State guy who yeah. also went to PHS, was really good. Yeah, I, I, I didn't follow Pitt State too much last year. Uh, just because they had a really short season. They played four games. Yeah. But it looks like he had a one pretty solid game. Uh, It was uh, the season opener, I think. Uh, Five catches for 105 yards and a 72-yard touchdown against Nebraska Kearney. So uh, that's like his biggest uh, upside, I think, is that he's pretty fast.
0: Yeah, he's pretty fast, and uh, I I know as most K-State fans will be excited to hear about this, as someone who played with him, something he very much prided himself on was returning
1: yep he he was a pretty good returner uh but there there have been some pretty good pittsburgh high school returners over the the years but he he was really good yeah at at returning
0: uh, at least from what i recall yeah he was pretty good at at returning and hopefully he brings that dynamic to to k-state i don't think he contributes immediately i think it takes him a few years
1: i i would imagine that that's a totally fair assessment i mean transferring up from D2 to D1 is borderline unheard of. And also, I'm curious how that's going to work with the uh, transfer rules. Is it a transfer waiver, like one free transfer, like up from any level? Like I think it might just be one free transfer. No, I was wondering. like I, I was just thinking about that. Like, if you still have to wait a year going from D2 to D1, but I, I'm not super familiar with that part just because that doesn't happen much. So... Let us know. Yeah, if you know, let us know because we aren't sure. Yeah.
0: So we just had to get that in there because as two guys from Pittsburgh, we, we have to point out every single time someone from Pittsburgh comes to K-State. Yep. Uh, the other notable name that everyone thinks of other than Dylan Meyer is Alex Barnes, and he was more recent. So. Yep, Alex Barnes. But I think that pretty much wraps up what we wanted to say about recruiting. So now let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this show, which is going into the coach press conferences, going over what they said, and more or less what we take away from it. And we'll start at the very top with the one that most people are going to look to, and that is head coach Chris Kleiman. And the very beginning of his press conference was standard hello to the media, which he, he did well. <laughs> good, good job, Chris. Good
1: job. Excellent work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but then the very predictable question that everyone is going to ask him from now until it inevitably happens is, how will realignment affect K-State? And I really, really liked his answer because his answer was, we'll skip over the second thing listed here because we'll get into that. <laughs> we will still play power five football was the first thing he said
1: yep and that, that's an important thing to to get out there that power five football is going to be played at kansas state okay. and it seems that a lot of the recruits uh, the current commits their fears are pretty assuaged like i know that uh braden lofton has gone out there and been on record as like he's confident that k-state's going to stick at a uh a high level, a high level of football, and that he's here to play for K State, like not for like a conference. Yeah, like, like, so that's encouraging to see from the current commits.
0: Yeah, and then, like I said, we're skipping over the second thing, and it said recruits are still being told that we'll be able to compete for a championship, and that is language that I think is really, really important to hear because he easily could have gone and say we're here to compete. We're here to compete in the Big 12. We're here to compete in our division. We're here to compete within a certain parameter. No. He specifically noted that they are here to compete for championships. And that is something that... It's a small thing, but I really, really enjoy that he said championships.
1: Yes, uh, that's... Exactly what he should be saying as the head coach, because, I mean, A, if that's not what you're competing for, why are you competing? Like Unless you're just building up like an atrocious program and you're like doing baby steps. But <laughs> any program that's at least average, their goal, year in, year out, their their big, major goal, that should be built on. From all their other goals, is competing for championships, yep. and K State's in a position to do so. Uh, we're on trajectory for uh, a better season than average, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's slightly above average or a lot above average, that remains to be seen. I think it's going to fall somewhere in the middle there. Well, I think we're going undefeated, and we're face rolling everyone to the next. I mean, I'd really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> it seems unlikely, but I think. Uh, I know I've been. Uh, um, hypnotizing myself into a nine and three <laughs> feeling right now, mainly because of all the buzz about Tyrone Howell, and it seems that the receivers are starting to get things figured out. And if Howell is even close to as good as advertised, that that just takes out a massive hole, like like that. That fills a huge hole in the, in the offense and takes away pretty much one of my only lingering concerns about the offense, which is receivers. And mm-hmm. if they can fix receivers, this is going to be a good offense. Yep, defense. You still have linebackers, but linebacker is the easiest to hide mm-hmm. on defense. Our defensive line is at least average mm-hmm. and with with some bright spots and our secondary is gonna be very good. Yeah. So linebacker if we have just one good linebacker, and I think Daniel Green can be that, then I I feel good about that.
0: Yeah. And this is the one that that we skipped that I I want to really point out, because Kleiman himself, in the context of being asked about realignment, so let's get that full context with his answer here, every one of the coaches saw massive changes coming in the college football landscape in the coming years, he said he saw it five years ago, and I would agree with him, because obviously that's just the safe answer to go with, but when it's specifically in the context of conference realignment, that kind of makes Bullsby look worse and
1: worse it does it's it's unbelievable. I guess it's possible that Bullsby was just trying to put on a, a face for public image but it's just as likely that he had no idea what was going on yeah so I... and I'll just roll with him not knowing what's happening just because it's more fun to dunk on him most of the time with <laughs> the exception of when he's like trying to file lawsuits against ESPN then then all best of luck I'll, to you I'll root Bob. for you pal. like like I, I believe in you. But I get where the coaches are coming from with realignment uh, because I think realignment was inevitable. It's just happening a bit earlier than I thought it was. But I also, with the gift of hindsight, probably should have seen this coming because realignment happens a few, like it starts, the cogs are working a few years ahead of time before it actually happens. Yeah. So that's, You should be anticipating, like, if you think something's going to change in 2025 when the grant of Rights expires, you should be looking for something to happen in the 2020 to 2022 range. Yeah. Somewhere in there. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah. Then he had two bits of just traditional coach speak. Everyone in the program is committed. He especially brought up coaches, players, fans are all committed, or as I will say, just bought in. K-State has a tradition of excellence. And then he started getting into more specific player news. And the first bit of player news that he went into was Chabashian Taylor. And he said that Chabashian had his first practice that day of. But he is cleared to play. So, which is big. I don't think, just with the timetable that it's been, I don't think he steps into Arlington and... Is I think he will be listed as a starter, but I think it will more or less be splitting a lot of reps.
1: Yeah, I imagine Tyrone Howell is going to take a chunk of his reps, especially the beginning of the season, and honestly, maybe even through the season if he's uh, what? As the coach, good. Would, yeah, if he's as good as advertised. It, it was nice to see Trevaston featured in one of the highlight videos that the football team has been posting a lot of recently. I think it was yesterday's. Which, if you want K-State hype. <laughs> um, they were posting something pretty much every day for, I think, the first like four days of camp or something mm-hmm. like that. And then that, those were a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but Chibath, having them back, that's really big for the receiver core because uh, Knowles is the obvious number one. And if Knowles can have a good year, that's going to make things easier for Seabass. And with that, that's just how their receiver core is going to work. If Malik Knowles can click then everybody below him will be more successful yeah. because it draws more attention to Malik and it leaves uh, the the other guys, for lack of a better term, uh, it gives them more freedom to, to work. Yeah.
0: And then he started talking about linebackers, which has been the position of concern amongst everyone Yeah. in the I, fan base. Yeah, this is, Except the coaches, apparently.
1: Yeah, the coaches are just not concerned about linebacker at all, which... They've been unbelievably consistent in that messaging. So you have to think there's at least some truth to it. Like maybe in that linebackers are just okay. Like, or yeah. I, I could believe that. I could be fine with that. I, I'm not convinced. but I do fine. think Daniel Green could be good. Yeah, I'm it. not convinced about the second linebacker though. Yeah. Like whoever that will be. I'm still unsure. But uh, like, like it's mentioned uh, on the outline, uh, Chris Kleiman, he was talking about Nick Allen. Uh, climbing the depth chart. And do you think he's a guy that maybe could uh, usurp uh, Cody Fletcher before the end of the year? Before the end of the year, probably. Um, but
0: this does not bode well for my take that I had on Bosco's voice. <laughs> <laughs> Cause for, the, for the uninformed, I said Wayne Jones wound up being the, mm-hmm. the defensive MVP because he steps down the linebacker. Meanwhile, he's not being mentioned as a linebacker. <laughs> Yeah, hey, we'll see. Smoke and mirrors.
1: Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Nick Allen, like, that's... Yeah, maybe that's just a code word. Like, maybe they don't want to reveal that Wayne Jones is actually just dominating practice. Yeah. We'll see.
0: He's dumpstering absolutely everyone <laughs> on a way to just basically playing every single defensive position on the field. <laughs> um, Then he... Kleiman also sung praises for both Keenan Garber and Tyrone Howell. I'm not going to get his name wrong ever again, I swear. (laughs) Um, Keenan Garber for his speed and explosiveness, and Tyrone Howell for his hands. And that's pretty close to what everyone has been saying.
1: Yeah, and it's close to what we were observing at the open practice as well. Garber, I would say he looked at the fastest receiver, even more so than Brooks to an extent. Like I think he has better straight line speed. Brooks probably has... Slightly equal. better stop and go. Yeah, I I think I was gonna say either equal or, uh, um, barely surpassing. Like I do think he's probably a little better at that just because of his size. But Garber has great acceleration, great speed, and he's got good agility. Uh, it's not elite agility, but he he's good at uh, manipulating his speed. Uh, and then Howell, uh, yeah, he, um, Kleinman very explicitly stated, I believe I saw this quote online was a, uh, um, Howell doesn't drop any balls. Basically, it's just what he was saying. Like Howell has great hands, and that's that's really encouraging for a an offense that uh, had a, just kind of was not good at catching last year for in the, the receiver. they No, they were just bad uh, at it for most of the season. Uh, the Knowles drops in the end zone were absolutely excruciating.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was painful.
1: I mean, it seemed like for those first few games, it was like once a game Knowles would beat somebody deep and. Just just inexplicably drop it. Like I think he had one against that's the meme. Yeah, he had one or two against Arkansas State. Uh, he had at least two, I think, against Texas Tech. One of them was just awful. Like and it, that that was just it was getting kind of annoying. Like we know Knowles has the talent. Like I'm not trying to like dump on Knowles or anything. Like we know that he's an athletic player. He just needs to put everything together, stay healthy, be in the right headspace, and if he can put everything together, Knowles he could really he he could uh send some tremors through the Big 12 honestly like like his his ceiling is a, is very high but his floor as we've seen is just so low yeah and then he goes on
0: for a while and then he mentions Timmy Horn being someone who he said it's difficult to replace exactly what Drew Wiley brought to the defense which yeah
1: Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) It was really good.
0: But he said Timmy Horn is doing pretty close to it. And he's also mentioning that Eli Huggins and Jalen Pickle are both doing well. But he spent a lot of time emphasizing Timmy Horn, which I said it, I'll say it again. Quarterbacks hate interior rush more than they hate just about everything else. Because everyone tells quarterbacks, oh, step up in
1: the pocket. Where do, you, where
0: do you want me to step up?
1: Yeah, Timmy Horn is uh, pushing the offensive guard and the center double team back into the quarterback. There's not a lot of room to step up. <laughs> so Timmy Horn can provide that presence, which he's like 6'5", 330 or something nuts like that. He's huge. He's a massive individual. If he can use his size to collapse the pocket consistently, that's going to be great for K-State's defensive ends. Uh, it'll be good for uh, the secondary because... Uh, it'll take a little pressure off of them, and also just be good for Timmy Horn because he's doing good things. Yeah, <laughs> well
0: done, Timmy Horn. And that that pretty well takes up the majority of what we wanted to say for Kleiman's press conference. His was thirty minutes as opposed to everyone else's about five. So there, there's a lot more that he said, but that was especially what I what I took away from it. And then the the next press conference was Connor Riley, the offensive line coach. And first thing he said was, this season has been a lot more fun, which...
1: Fair play. Fair. <laughs> I, I'm i glad. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, gosh, Chris Kleiman at the end of last year, I mean, you could just see, like, how this season had physically deteriorated him. I mean, he just... He was drained. Yeah, yeah that, that was a, a drained man. Like, if you see pictures of, like, presidents, like... At the beginning of their term, at the and end then ends. after <laughs> that was climbing, but in one year, <laughs> yeah, it was. So it's
0: it's good that it's it's more fun this year. Yes, and someone that Connor Riley pointed out was Truman Carroll. Uh, Tremaine. Tremaine. Uh, Coach True, as yeah. he was called. So that I just keep calling him Coach True. Um, the team dynamic has changed a lot for the better due to his his coaching, which. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's great. I'm good. Yeah, Tremaine Carroll. Uh, I remember they posted um, online his uh, introductory. He's from UCF, right? Was that UCF or USF? And he spent time at Oklahoma State as well. Okay. And uh, he is a high energy guy. Uh, he's from what I've heard a very different type of strength coach than uh, Chris Dawson because they just approach uh, mm-hmm. strength training in two very different ways. Whereas Dawson was more of a build mental strength kind of guy, like, through workouts and whatnot, like, Mm -hmm. to, like, build resiliency and stuff. Uh, Tremaine, he is straight up, we're going to make... Get big. You are going to get absolutely jacked, and you are going to just be straight up stronger than everybody you face, while also getting mentally strong. But his focus is making great athletes, and apparently that has been exactly what's happening. Everyone looks a lot stronger around Veneer nowadays, so... Uh, coach true's impact has been a uh, pretty uh pretty palpable so far yeah and i
0: think by far the biggest surprise of his entire press conference some something that absolutely no one saw coming no one in the building and no one in the k-state fan base had ever seen this take before cooper Beebe, now now stay with me here i will cooper Beebe is good at football oh uh, that can't be right
1: no there's no way but yeah, I mean, Cooper That's BB That's sarcasm. Yes. He's ridiculous. We're being we're being very sarcastic. Cooper BB is an outstanding offensive lineman. Um, we already knew that and he was what I think he was a true freshman last year. He may have been. I think he was. And he started I think 8 games maybe or I think he started eight games. Yeah, he I, he started a lot of them and pretty consistently looked like the best guy on the line. Yeah, for most of the season, he was like the best offensive lineman and sometimes the only good offensive lineman because some...
0: towards the beginning.
1: Yeah, especially yeah, especially the beginning of the year. Towards the end of the year, that unit really gelled pretty well. Uh, the offense uh, Just kind sure of no one else did. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, not all of their people were figuring it out. But the O line they got a lot better as the year went on, and it's um we already knew Cooper Beebe was good. Uh, it's, it's like hearing things about Deuce. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> Deuce is good at football. Oh! Shocker. That's, <laughs> thank you for wasting breath on that. <laughs> and
0: moving on to something that actually was more of a surprise, but not necessarily still surprising, I would say. The one thing he pointed out and was very adamant about was that the offensive line has competition, which means if, if you read between the lines there, Just about everyone in the offensive line room
1: is good. (laughs) Which I love hearing. I think we there were hints that that was the case, I would say, just um, from the end of last year and then who's kind of hanging out uh, in the ones right now. But hearing that there's competition means that the lineups that we may have seen going with the ones in the uh, uh, open practice – that may not be what we see on day one. I mean, there's probably some guys that are set. Cooper Beebe, I bet he starts. Yeah. Christian Duffy's probably set. Josh Reeves is probably set. Noah Johnson's probably set. But we don't necessarily know that. I mean, I would say Beebe is a lock and Revis is a lock. But other than Everyone that... Everyone else, I'd say, is yeah, even, pretty fair game. Yeah, Even Noah Johnson, who is a huge <laughs> glue guy. We'll go into yeah, that we'll, later. We'll, we'll, talk we'll talk a little bit that. more about him in a minute. <laughs> but, I mean, there's guys like uh, Taylor Poitier. He... Uh, now he he really came into his own by the end of last year and was uh, partially responsible for the turnaround in uh, the run blocking uh, that we saw for the final couple of games. That really led to Deuce having an excellent last two games of the year. I think he went over 100 rushing yards in the, both the Baylor game and the uh, Texas game. <laughs> yeah, and the <laughs> yeah, and the other game. Yeah. Uh, um. So there's Taylor Poitier. We saw some Carver Willis last year, and he looked solid. Uh, Katori Leveston had a lot of playing time last year, and he's been moved to inside, as we've said. Ben Adler. Yeah, Ben Adler. He's uh, I think he's slotted as a starter right now at right guard. But I'd say that's
0: probably the position that's most likely to change.
1: Yes, that is going to be a revolving door. Honestly. And also, they just like to rotate offensive line a lot more than a lot of other coaching staffs do. So, like they've said, they've said that we may see eight to ten offensive linemen a game, which I love, like because that A is going to keep our guys fresh down the road, and B it's it it just says that we have a lot of depth. Yeah. Which you can offensive linemen are like corners in that you can never have too many of them.
0: Yep. And another piece of that depth that maybe starting a bit. sooner than either of us expected was andrew lean
1: gang yep andrew lean gang uh he's only a true freshman and he may have been an early enrollee i don't recall but he is working with the older players yeah yeah, he's working with older players uh he's been kicked out to right tackle allegedly and uh he's we already knew that he was good we he was kind of the sleeper prospect of the group and if jake rubly doesn't end up being the best of his class it's going to be lean gang which he will but Rubley, I imagine he will end up being the best of his class. But if for whatever reason, he's not. Best quarterback ever. I mean, I really hope so. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good shot. Like, he's very yeah, highly regarded. Manifesting Jake Rubli, the, the greatest K-State quarterback
0: of no. all time. Greatest quarterback of all time.
1: Oh, I, I was too specific. <laughs> Look out, Tom Brady. Joe Burrow, your day's Joe- best season ever. <laughs> He's going to do that three times. But yeah, Lean Gang. Uh, It's really encouraging to hear a young guy working with uh, uh, the older guys uh, while being so young. He's already got good size. I believe he's 6'5", 290 coming into K-State. So that's without any of the strength training. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that the coaches were really excited to get their hands on him just because he needs a little less strength development to get to where they need him to be. And they can start working on technique a lot earlier. Yep. And... <laughs> the comment
0: that <laughs> it, everyone who watched the press conference knows what's coming. Yeah. It, the Noah Johnson comment. How, how happy were you when Noah Johnson decided to come back? Are you married? <laughs> how did you feel when she said yes? Completely deadpan. 100% serious. Not a smile, not a laugh from him. He meant it. <laughs>
1: Uh, it was nice to see a uh, all of levity, I guess, in the press conferences. I'm not sure he meant it as a joke. <laughs> even if he didn't mean it as a joke, that's how it was received. Like, <laughs> and even if it wasn't a joke, it was still funny. Yeah, like, it was 100 <laughs> hilarious. So, like, I I don't know. It, it's just nice to see that uh, the uh, the coaches enjoying themselves. A I want bit that. As, more. I want that on a t shirt, honestly.
0: If K State starts selling that t shirt, <laughs> Noah Johnson tees. <laughs> Nil. Yeah, yeah, nil. Nil benefits. So the next person is the quarterbacks coach Colin Klein, and he had he had relatively less to say because it was a lot of, oh, how's Skylar doing? Well, Skylar's doing good. How's Will Howard doing? Will Howard's doing good. So what about that two quarterback system thing? Well, <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll go. We only have four notes here. Uh, He said Skyler's body is looking fresh and the ball is jumping out of his hands better than it's just about ever been, which, okay. Good. Good. That's good. (laughs) There's nothing but positivity there. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the, I'd say probably the biggest takeaway other than maybe the fourth item on this list, but definitely the most important now would be they're here and there on two quarterbacks and saying, we'll play it as we go doing anything that the team needs connor and i both viewed this as walking it back saying okay guys we're not running a two quarterback system calm down
1: yeah because and honestly that is fair because i do think some people kind of took the initial comments of they will have some packages for will howard as it will be a two quarterback system which isn't entirely fair like i wouldn't say that uh when texas had like uh gerard Heard and uh, tyrone swoops that wasn't really a two quarterback system in the traditional sense it was they had a regular quarterback and then the 18 wheeler package for power running so it's kind of it sounds like it's gonna be fairly similar to just running the wildcat except will howard's gonna be back there
0: yeah like or as we will call it the will howitzer package the will
1: howitzer package is coming uh we we have coined that and, i heard it on twitter oh uh, it was on twitter I think it might have been in a live show or Twitter. Oh, seriously? Uh, but we no, I said it. I said, I put it in the comments on a live show. It maybe so maybe we did coin it. We might have. Somebody may have said it before us, though. Will Howitz her T-shirt when? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we may have coined it. We may not have. That's <laughs> that. We're getting to the weeds here. <laughs> if you came up with it, please let us know. We, we will uh, we'll give you credit for it. We'll give you credit in a free T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then Colin Kleine went on to talk about, uh, he said he was very proud of Malik. Do you want to, is there any additional context that needed to be had there? Or just... it, it, was, it was
0: typical Malik is doing well. Good. And he just said he was very proud of Malik, which Malik knows got a few shout outs. None of them were from his position coach because Messingham did not speak at a press conference that I could find.
1: Yeah, that was uh, one thing that I, I found interesting about this outline. I meant to ask you about, but uh, there is a a serious lack of uh,
0: Courtney Messingham
1: or y- Joe Kleinerman. Yep. Which I mean, this looks like it was an offensive coaches uh, press conference for the most part. They may have the defensive guys come out another time. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, there was a no uh, um, mustache offensive coordinator at, <laughs> at this uh, press conference, which is very sad. I know I like Messingham. Don't, I don't really love him, but he's, he's good. I like messing him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like you said, the last thing uh, uh, was also good. Uh, Will Howard looking good mentally despite a rough first year and that others are following his character, which is, uh, I mean, if, if, if you have a quarterback, you want people to follow them. That's that's all you can ever really ask for from a leadership perspective. People follow the quarterback and because they want to.
0: Yeah. And the big question was, even if Will Howard doesn't play this year, How will he bounce back from a freshman season that, while I don't think it was completely irredeemable, it was not good?
1: No, it was not. And uh, like you said, it wasn't completely irredeemable. He had flashes and he had his moments, but I mean, and you can't really put all of it on him. I mean, that's an impossible situation to be in as a true freshman quarterback. I mean, people forget that when Josh Freeman was a true freshman, he had that signature win over Texas, but he also had a touchdown to INT ratio of like six to fifteen, which was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, kind of bad. It's horrible. And like he threw, he threw over one interception a game for what he started. I think he started like nine games and threw fifteen picks, which is <laughs> Unbelievably terrible. That's not very good. No, not... It's pretty bad, actually. That's... It's pretty bad. (laughs) You you can say that. But, yeah. Howard um, didn't have the best true freshman season. But, nevertheless, uh, he did show that he um, could make the throws at times. And uh, he had decent mobility. And uh, he showed that he was really tough. And in a year like last year sometimes that's good enough in hindsight yeah like 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 at the time obviously you wanted to throw for 304 touchdowns every game but by looking back he was able to stick with it and uh, he never he never looked completely defeated like he wasn't on the sideline like pouting like he like he kept his head up he kept his head up and he was in it and uh, it seems that people took notice of that, and uh, they're following his character, which is very encouraging.
0: Yep. That was pretty much what the the gist of what Colin Klein said. Then we move into Jason Ray, the fullbacks and tight ends coach, and it, it's pretty basic what he said. Physicality right now is the game of the tight ends and fullbacks, which, I mean, he, he also mentioned that the, the technique is getting there, but right now physicality is where they're working, which... I mean, if you're going to pick one position to be based mostly off of physicality, I guess fullbacks and tight ends is not a bad one.
1: Yeah, that's that's correct. Like <laughs> that, that is what they do. Like They are very <laughs> physical. So hearing that our tight ends and fullbacks are physical, can't complain about that. Nope. That's good. Also said that
0: they're a close group of players, which, again, nothing but good. And Malik Noel is getting another shout-out from not-his-position coach. And this time it was Jason Ray. Jason Ray said, "Hopefully Malik can keep grow- growing, and he's nowhere near his plateau."
1: Yeah, so he's he's saying some stuff there that we do know, but it's good to hear from people in the know that like, we 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 watch Malik and we can see the potential. Like obviously, we're like he's so athletic, he has so much potential. He just has a couple things to figure out. Yeah, and it's good to hear his uh, former position coach Jason Ray. Uh, say the same things that we're thinking in that regard, and uh, it just gives us hints that uh, Malik is on the way up, and maybe we can expect more from him this year. Yep, be a, be a true number one.
0: Yep, and I, I don't I don't agree with the take that he has a limitless potential, but I don't think he's come anywhere near his potential. I think he yeah. I think he has potential to be uh, legitimate number two receiver in the nfl which means dominant number one in college
1: yes that that is a totally fair take i mean knowles at his peak could be excellent and he's just not got anywhere close to that i mean he's had good games like we've we've seen knowles have good games before like he was one of the very very few bright spots of the texas game yeah, and at, the Arkansas State game. Yeah, and the Arkansas State game. He had that unbelievable catch. Uh, he showed his returning athleticism at Mississippi State. Uh yeah, that Texas game. He had two touchdowns and just shy of 100 yards, I think. Mm-hmm. So he, he was playing well that game, running some good routes. And he is a good route runner. He just doesn't always finish it off. So it's clear that the whole coaching staff is behind Malik. And I'm happy that he stayed and that the transfers were fake. And uh, I'm... I'm I'm excited to see him this year. He's he's someone that I will be keeping a very close eye on at the first game.
0: Yep. And another person we should be watching, though I think we, if we're following the ball, we might be forced to watch him a lot. Yeah. That is Daniel Bebe. And Jason Ray pointed out that he's a much more fluid athlete than Riley Moore, and the IQ is about the same, which I think everyone kind of saw coming. Yeah. And he noticed that he was really, really good – cutting up field was something that he said. And an athletic tight end is something K-State, as any team, will really want. But especially K-State, the way they run their offense and the way their offense was run last year, a lot of the offense ran through Briley Moore and say it's because no one else on our team was a reliable receiving threat. All you want, which, yeah, okay, fair take. But that doesn't take away from how important Briley Moore as the tight end was in this offense.
1: Yep, uh, seeing uh, Amador Bebe uh, get shouted out as much as he has been, and also from what we saw at the open practice, uh, it's very encouraging. He, the fluid athlete stuff, that's I 100% agree with that. from yeah. What we saw, he, he at times like he, he looked like he was running like a wide receiver. Uh, from the tight end position, where he's he's like I don't know, 6'4", 6'5", and like 240, 250, or something like that. Which makes sense, because his brother yeah. was a wide receiver. Yep. But, yeah, he has the athleticism of uh, his brother, uh, Josh, who uh, is now in the NFL, right? Yeah, he went undrafted. Yep. So, uh, seeing uh, D.I. Uh, get some more shout-outs. Uh, it's stuff that you love to see. And it's, it's also good to see that his uh, football IQ is pretty high as well.
0: Yep. And... Jason Ray, obviously the big concern with Imator Bebe was injuries because he's been
1: hurt a lot. That's, that's the big drawback about him. And that was the uh, concern when uh, K-State took his commitment in the uh, transfer portal was, uh, yeah, he's he shown. He's fragile. Yeah, yeah he's shown uh, uh, flashes, but yeah, he is, uh, he's made of glass at times. <laughs> Like he's had uh, he had his great freshman season at USC, but he hasn't done a lot since, so can he stay healthy? And the staff is just rolling the dice on him because they know that even if he does get hurt, which hopefully does not happen because he could be a difference maker for the team, they do have great tight ends behind him as well. Wheeler has proven himself uh, for a couple of years, although he's had injury issues of his own. But then there's guys like Connor Fox. He was getting play in time last year. Uh, there's been a lot of good things being said about him. Nick uh,
0: Leonard's as a blocker.
1: Yeah, Leonard's as a blocker. He's there. Uh, then even uh, re- get to really young guys like Will Swanson. Uh, he uh, hopefully has a lot of upside and has been looking good, but he's, he's a-, a ways from playing. You know, when are we going to get Jax to playing tight end? I'm here for it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, and the, just him not looking injured during the practice, which is something Ray said, is huge, especially considering – At the beginning of the season, where you have guys that kind of get dinged up, especially towards the very beginning, which is kind of why we didn't see Timmy Horn or Julius Brents. Not because they were hurt-hurt, but because they were dinged up at the open practice. Which, just play conservatively, but the fact that Imator Bebe isn't even playing dinged up, he seems perfectly healthy, is a very good sign.
1: Yeah, it's clear that uh, he's um, taking his health very seriously. um, Because he... I'm sure he's about sick and tired of watching other people play football and being on the sideline. And I think he probably understands that the best way to avoid being on the sideline again is take his health seriously, take his rehab seriously, treat his body well. And it's, it's great that he's uh, not looking injured because he's, he's like an X factor guy for uh, this offense. I think yeah. like he's a guy that, while we could survive without him, Sammy Wheeler's a great tight end, but uh, Amato Bebe, he just elevates the offense. He just adds another excellent athletic weapon in an offense that already has Mike Knowles and Deuce Vaughn and Skyler Thompson, and then Joe Irvin's been getting a lot of mentions. Tyrone Howell's has getting a lot of mentions. So they're just adding another prolific weapon to uh, the offense to utilize. And do you want to read the last one? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I will direct quote it. It's all capitals, he blocks, with an exclamation point. At the he end. blocks! He does. And if you have a tight end that is athletic, can catch, and blocks, you can't really ask for much more than nope. that. <laughs> he blocks!
0: Yeah, because a lot of tight ends just... Jason Ray was careful with his words in saying blocking because a lot of tight ends just kind of want to get in someone's way. He's like, "Eh, that's a block. No, No, that's not not a block. But that kind of wraps up Jason Ray. And then the final position coach that had his press conference was running backs coach Brian Anderson. And the first thing he said, all the backs are looking good. And he gave specific comments for all but the two freshmen. Deuce put on some muscle. Joe Irvin looks like freshman Joe Irvin, which is a very big compliment jacquardier looks good and then the two freshmen clyde price and dj giddens both look good
1: which deuce putting on muscle good excellent because uh deuce he already was a pretty muscular guy especially for uh, his frame last year that's a very underrated part of uh, his game is he's really tough uh, very similar to i i know this is a tired comparison but very similar to darren sproles he that's uh, the first time i've heard that comparison Oh shut up! <laughs> and uh, Sproles, he, despite his uh, elusiveness and great speed, uh, people forgot that he could, uh, uh, he could, um, he could lay the stick a little. He could, he could truck people. He, uh, uh, he was really good. And then Deuce, he, if he can add that to his game as well, then that, that, that's just another thing that he can do. I mean, because as a, as a defensive back or linebacker, like what are you gonna do if you see Deuce? Coming at you. Pray. Well, yes, but <laughs> if you already know that he can be elusive, but then you also have to take into account that he might also just run you over. So how do you account for him either juking inside you, juking outside of you, or just going straight through you? Like, what do you do as a defender if you see that coming? Like I said,
0: pray. Now that's... Or compare yourself to Ray Lewis after the game. <laughs> yep. Never
1: living it down. And, you know, there's... As we discovered uh, yesterday, there are there have been more running backs that have um ended um <laughs> fake Ray Lewis's career. <laughs> it some, was a uh, Bruce, um, some guy named Bryce, Bryce Hallway or something. Yeah, Bruce Wayne, the running back at Iowa State. Uh, he uh, he made Gavin Potter, aka Ray Lewis, look pretty silly. Bryce Corridor, yeah, some something like that. <laughs> I haven't really heard of him. But it was a good highlight though. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, Gavin Potter. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, you mentioned Joe. Joe Irvin looks good. There's been a lo- <laughs> Just because we're near the end of the show doesn't mean you can behave this way. But Joe, he's he's looking good. Um, there's been a lot of uh, chatter. I think I remember Kleiman saying, "I uh, this was the only part of his press conference I was able to see because uh, I was at work and." I was able to get a couple minutes, so I tuned in for a minute. And he said that Joe Irvin, well, he isn't the fastest player on the team. He plays the fastest. Yeah, he
0: plays the fastest. Which, And then Brian Anderson said, well, he
1: had a run where I thought it was going to run off the practice field. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if we can have Deuce, who's got the elite speed and agility and can just make people miss out of backfield uh, and, and make great catches, and you have Joe come in and... Do basically the same thing, but with fresh legs and Jacartier come in and also be fast and just also run you over. Like, like I love casually. I love having multiple options in the backfield. And this coaching staff, that's something they place a premium on as well, is having uh, multiple running backs to go to. So they keep legs fresh. And that's, that's pretty true basically every position that they have. Yep. Is they love rotating. Pretty much the only spot they're not rotating pretty consistently is quarterback. Yep.
0: And Brian Anderson also said that there will be a rotation, and the backs' workload will depend upon the flow of the game. And I think this was more meant for for Deuce specifically because the context of the question was how much time we spend running touches versus running back receiving touches. He said it depends on the flow of the game, which, yeah, fair, <laughs> <Bear>. good answer. <laughs> so all in all, from the press conferences. We walk away with very little information that we didn't really know already, but rather a lot of affirmation of news that we more or less already knew, but it's still very comforting to hear.
1: Yeah. I just poked
0: myself in the eye. (laughs) Are you all right?
1: Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. But uh, yeah, this was, um, like you said, affirmations of previously known rumors or previously known educated guesses and speculation. Some of the few new things that we've learned is uh nick allen's climbing the depth chart uh, uh tyrone howell has been uh impressing even more lighting people yeah, up. yeah we already knew that he was good but we didn't know just how good he was uh and then also lean gang uh working with uh, older guys uh, that's something that wasn't really publicly known um but other than that that's a uh, that's just about the only new stuff that we learned Really, from that was both from Kleinman and Riley, to the Klein, Ray, and Anderson uh, conferences. It was a lot of stuff that we either directly knew or could kind of infer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So now we go into the wacky segments of the week. We have one that is fake but kind of real, and then we have one that—or real but kind of fake, I should say— And then we'll just have one that is our typical hypothetical. So, the first wacky segment of the week was, if you were on Twitter, you saw the supposed leaks of the Nebraska uniforms up against the Oklahoma Sooners, and it was legitimately like wearing a pair of red overalls with a white undershirt.
1: It looked like a wrestling singlet. <laughs> I believe they were called the Little Red. The Little Reds. Yeah, the Little Red uniforms. <laughs> and it's it's very. I believe I read that they were posted on Reddit a couple years ago as just a joke. But I'm just gonna pretend that they, that's not a joke instead, because it's much funnier to make fun of Nebraska. So <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the best part about it. Enough people thought it was real. That
0: so many people got baited, including uh, one of my favorite football film analysts, Brett Coleman. He got baited hard, and he said, there's no way. And if you you don't know what these look like, you're missing out. Please, like, pause the episode, come back, please. (laughs) Pause the episode, look up the Nebraska Little Red jerseys, and you will understand. (laughs) Because words do not do it justice. It's... Atrocious. (laughs) Yeah. It is a tragedy upon mankind.
1: (laughs) It's really... What makes me the most sad about the entire situation is that I know that someone had to go into a uniform editor and make those willingly. And (laughs) you can only hope that it was ironic at the beginning rather than someone that started out taking it seriously and (laughs) wanted to make an actual uniform because they... Are among the worst uniforms I've ever seen, <laughs> that, both hypotheticals and actual. In real. Yeah, like uh, the alligator skin Florida ones.
0: Yeah, uh, those are atrocious. Those ones
1: are really bad, but these ones were—they were—they were special.
0: Yeah, and I think the best part about this is that normally athletic departments will kind of just ignore like fake fake jersey stuff because normally they don't blow up. No. <laughs> And the internet said low, not today. No. And the Nebraska athletic director had to come out and say that it was fake. <laughs> which is so funny because that is the majority of the US who looked at that uniform and said, that could be a Nebraska uniform. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, how down atrocious do you have to be?
1: Yeah, I saw the Nebraska a AD. The AD was literally tweeting about it, which I didn't realize they'd found a new one. And they and uh, he had to be like, no, they're not real. And it, I just can't imagine having to get on Twitter and tweet those words. They're more
0: or less just face
1: I mean, it, it's just, it was an unbelievable display of both the stupidity of college football twitter a lot of especially uh a lot of the college football big jays uh they get baited really easily they
0: got baited so hard it,
1: it honestly doesn't take a lot to bait sports journalists like they can be fooled very easily i got baited a few
0: times and i was mad about it and i like to consider myself not the easiest to bait i think i texted you about this that I don't. We're not going to say the name, but I got baited by that account like four times in the span of two days. Yeah,
1: that that account's got me as well. Uh, we're not telling you what it's called. Um, if, <laughs> if you if you're on know, tw- if, if you're you on know. if you know you know, and if you're on Twitter and haven't and you don't know what we're talking about, good. you you will. <laughs> <laughs> no, good. The, yeah. the correct yeah, count, answer is good. Yeah, count your blessings, but your days are numbered, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, you will soon know. But, yeah, like, I, just, there's so much about that that's so funny. National media getting baited. People genuinely believing it's real. Nebraska's AD having to come out personally and say, no, this is not happening. Oh, that's just. It's just the perfect, okay. It's horrible. Uh, this This isn't on the outline, but, which is funnier. The little red uniforms, or KU claiming they're in the KC metro area?
1: (laughs) I think... Wow, that's a great question. That is a great question. (laughs) I think the little red uniforms might be funnier, but I think that the Lawrence in the metro area is more embarrassing.
0: I think that was my knee... (laughs) i was wondering that i just wasn't gonna say anything i think the mic might have picked it up so we have to address it but i yeah i'd have to say no i think the little red is more embarrassing and that's what makes it more funny
1: like i i don't know i i i don't think it's as embarrassing for nebraska just because nebraska athletics isn't actually attached to it like if but everyone were, thought they were. If it were, it would be more embarrassing. I think... Maybe it's just my perspective. Uh, I think the KU claiming to be part of the KC Metro, I think that's a worse look because they were actively trying like, to create an image for themselves there. And Nebraska Athletics, for all of their faults, there's nothing that they could do about this. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this was inevitable. <laughs> yeah, they they could not stop the, the coming onslaught. So... Uh, I'm not giving them a pass. I'm still going to make fun of them for it. They deserve it. But (laughs) it's just, wow. The Scott Frost era has really been something at Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And we'll go into the wacky
0: segment of the week, part two, which will not be our typical tournament style where Mike Gundy (laughs) inevitably wins. But this is something that could in and of itself be its own segment if expanded more and we had more than one rivalry in particular make up a college football rivalry a fake one that does not currently exist so you can't just pull out an obscure one like georgia tech versus, or is it georgia tech or georgia state versus georgia good old-fashioned hate
1: i think it's georgia state versus like georgia southern maybe i could have sworn it was um hold on we're doing some research
0: <laughs> good old-fashioned hate is georgia tech and georgia so uh, that, I was that, that's the first time
1: yep so that that's a uh, that's a fun one but it doesn't count because it already exists yeah um i literally just thought of it like a minute ago um one of the ones i would have would be usc versus usc uh southern california versus south, south carolina, carolina. And just would be, you call it the battle for the SC? Um, something like that. It w- it would be wordplay on the fact that both of their abbreviations are USC. And yeah. another one I thought of would be just like USC versus like Miami. Uh, that's just like battle of like the, the battle of the washed, yeah. <laughs> the battle of the yeah. washed schools. Yeah, just from like two thousand. Yeah, washed schools with big brands and uh, um, East Coast versus West Coast, like. There's a lot of dynamics at play there that I think could be uh, really fun. Um, That's all I have on that, really. Um, I I was trying to think of them, but everything I could think of that would make remote sense, uh, for the most part, already existed in some capacity. I mean, we could say like Nebraska and winning or something like that. (laughs) Texas and not having the worst fans in America. Uh, That's that's a rivalry they've been losing for a long time. By the way,
0: this was inspired by a, a Twitter post that oh, yeah. showed the the rivalry setups from these past years.
1: Like the last 10 years? Or the really? last 10 years. The Big Game Boomer account. Yeah. That Which, account
0: sucks. It does suck, but it has occasional good content.
1: It's occasionally okay. For the most part, it's lists I just look at and I, I just don't understand.
0: Yeah. I. It, it, it kind of makes you wonder who's doing this takes. But my... College football playoff rivalry that is completely made up is between two schools from the Midwest. One from the state of Kansas, the other from the state of Illinois. Is it KU in Illinois? It is K State versus Northwestern. The Battle of the Plains Cats.
1: Oh, that's fun. I like that.
0: Because we're both the Purple Wildcats, we both have had a mild tradition of pain we will we will say that we've both been on the upswing recently and we're both in the midwest so it's that's why i call it the battle of the cats the Plains of the cats
1: okay i uh i like that i i thought you were going to go with cave in illinois as like a battle of the resident basketball schools or something like that <laughs> which like would actually like unironically would be kind of a fun series i think like, that's, like, I'm not even digging at KU with Let's that. get ready to bottom feed. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it would actually be kind of fun to see. Because, like, those are two very similar uh, programs. Uh, high-level basketball, uh, not high-level football. Like, uh, KU, KU hasn't been ranked in the AP Top 25 since, like, October 2009. Illinois like, October of like, 2011. So... They're equally down bad, almost, and almost. <laughs> uh, they they both been struggling. Illinois, they've got Brett Bielema now. They may uh, see a, an upswing here pretty soon, but and that that could potentially yeah, that that could be
0: fun. Illinois versus K State, Natty. K State wins that. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so you have to pick one of your rivalries to represent because I'm I'm going to go with the
1: battle of the. Uh, cast of the Points. Okay, I'm just gonna do Battle of the USCs then, just because I think that has a better name. I, I think I might like the other one a little bit more conceptually, just because it's two really big brands, and I'm not normally like super supportive of like the big CFB brands, but it'd just be kind of funny. It'd be like watching two like old guys that peaked in high school, like fighting with each washed. other. Yeah, two uh, some washed people that like peaked in high school. Uh, just like hitting each other with canes or something <laughs> USC and Miami. But USC versus USC, it's just some fun wordplay. I think it'd be a friendly rivalry at the beginning, but I feel like some hate would brew eventually.
0: No, I feel like genuinely the, the Northwestern-K-State rivalry, I think it'll take a year, and then I think it will get very nasty because you'll get Big Ten versus Big 12 people. You'll get people trying to claim that they're the one true Purple Wildcats. You'll get people trying to claim you'll have nick herzog as a rivalry cog nick herzog will be sitting oh, on geez. the offensive
1: line it's like help me <laughs> oh no there's too many narratives there's
0: too many
1: narratives we can't overcome this so yeah there, there's gonna be some some legitimate hate in this uh battle of the plains cats rivalry I keep um,
0: switching between the Battle of the Plains cats and the Battle of the Cats of the Plains. Which one do you think sounds better? I think the first one, because there's not
1: two of those. Okay. So just, It just gets to the point a little faster.
0: Okay. But that that pretty well finishes what we were going to do for this episode of Aggieville Alley Cats. Thank you guys so much for listening to us speak. If you want to support the show financially, we have the link to do so through our sponsor, Anchor FM, the easiest way to start a podcast, and you can support us financially in that way, and eventually through our merch store that will be coming very, very soon, alongside our limited edition t-shirts that will be our original logo before we officially retire it in favor of the new logo. And as we've both seen the concept of the new logo, and I gotta say, I'm really excited for
1: it. I'm really excited as well. I can't wait to see how it comes together. We've been waiting for a while now, and it's, it's really starting to come together now. And I'm very excited to eventually unveil this to the public. Yeah, I'm really excited to
0: have it be the new cover image of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to reach out to the show via email, our email is aggievillealleycats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, which we will point out every single recruit that comes in and be responding to every single cat signal, shout out Taylor Bratt. Great guy for a lot of reasons. But great guy. Great guy. <laughs> and then follow us on Twitter at AggievilleAcats. That's A, capital A capital A and then capital C in cats. If you want to follow us personally, I'm at ACEdwards00 on Twitter. and I'm capital C, Connor, and capital B, Balthasor on Twitter. And thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'll see you later, Alley Cats.